right. A little tired, a little worse for the wear, a little damp, which I'll explain, a little moist. Are you, are you still in the bowels of your house working on a flood situation? <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to P4P. Uh, I'm Maddie Blake. That's Tony Arkin. First of all, let me apologize for the sound. If you listen to this podcast regularly, regularly, you know that we are uh, broadcast professionals and we have professional home studios. So the sound is always really good, uh, but I have a flooded studio right now. Uh, so I'm up in my uh, upper part of my house, just on a good old fashioned USB mic. So the sounds echoey and crappy, but we will get through this. Hi, Tony. Hey, Maddie. Um, just know wherever you are in the country uh, and you have water in your house, because there's a lot of us, uh, you're not alone. You suffer. You suffer not alone. I'm with you. I'm, I'm not with you. I live, I live three stories up in an apartment. I have other problems. The roof leaks. We get water coming down through the roof, but it doesn't. Oh. It, we don't collect it in the, do in know, the basement. Do you know? I learned a new uh, term today because you just started saying like I got other problems. It's called, I believe, it's called trauma dumping, <laughs> <laughs> or, or misery dumping, or I think trauma dumping. So what happened was, uh, Elmo, the character from Sesame Street put out a tweet i guess the person that runs that account uh and said like elmo wants to know how everyone doing hope you're having a good day and 125 million people basically started going like things are really awful my blood basement's flooded <laughs> and they call it they call it uh trauma dumping so it was like elmo got trauma dumped <laughs> that makes sense there's certainly enough trauma going on right now I guess um, so. Got to put it somewhere. Yeah. Um, so look, I, I knew when I moved here, I'm in coastal Rhode Island. I live right on a big body of water. Uh, I was asking for trouble. The house had a sump pump in it down the basement. I would occasionally get a little bit, but this last month, since about December 27th, it has not stopped like biblical levels of rain here. Every other day it was pouring rain or sleeting just more water coming in. So, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was up to my knees. I was just, it's just like a little bit of water, but it was like kind of just kept coming and I couldn't, and it got into my voiceover studio. So I had to move everything out of there. I've met a guy, uh, May Hall, who's just been like an angel in my life. He's uh, from Guatemala. He's a handyman extraordinaire. Um, he, he actually said to me at one point, he goes, Maddie, I wasn't sleeping last night because I was worried about the water coming in the basement. I'm like, you were not sleeping because of my house. You know what I mean? He's like that type of guy. I just maybe love because him. he's picking up that there's uh, something supernatural going on that's causing this water. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I keep on thinking you've seen, uh, you've seen things there, and so maybe this is a, this is a water sprite that you've this got <laughs> in your house. <laughs> and he knows he's dealt water with this before. Are, water sprites are cute and nimble. This is like a, a, a hydra. <laughs> this is like the movie the lighthouse it's in the sprite family but <laughs> think of it... the movie the lighthouse that's been my last month because <laughs> <laughs> ye odin who says it to the bottom of... you know funny story i met a sound guy i know a sound guy uh from oak island that movie was shot partly in canada and he was the sound guy and uh, I think I might have told you this before. He was like crouched in the corner during that scene, which is really probably the best scene in the whole movie. When what is his name? Willem Dafoe. Thank you. When Willem Dafoe is standing and cursing him 
like I was just imitating, uh, my buddy was like in the corner with a boom. Like he goes, and it was just wild. That's intense. That's a lot of Defoe coming at you Uh, at close range. That is the way he's lit. It's terrifying. That is a, that's a heck of a scene for a movie that you and I weren't familiar about, but, um, that's a, I like things about it. Yeah. Like that scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard that. mm -hmm. That movie tests relationships. I don't know if Amelia's ever forgiven me for taking her to that one. Honest to God, it's 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 a thing. Well, I've been living it since December twenty seventh. Uh, but you know, hope springs eternal. Um, no pun intended. No, <laughs> I've got now what boaters call twin screws. When they have two motors, I have a new sump pump that may call built. Um, so I have two sump pumps down there. Um, everything's sealed up. He's laid down some cement. He's cleared stuff away from the house. He's done a great job. So right now it's been water-free for about three days and I'm just monitoring the situation. Going to make sure it's once and for all, uh, sealed up and then I'll start rebuilding the voice studio. So until okay, cool. next week, it's going to sound like this apologies. Right. Um, Any t- and should we start recording the show? Should we start recording anytime? I, I got a, I got a heart out. So I just, <laughs> You keep what you're doing in your studio to yourself, okay? Oh, you mean you have to get out of here? Yes, okay. Uh, so here we go. We are doing a movie called When Evil Lurks. This was actually a recommendation, Tony, from my old radio producer, uh, a young man named Stiz, who I've mentioned on the podcast before. He's a horror fan. He said, bro, you got to check this out. I want to see your thoughts on it. So uh, When Evil Lurks, uh, before we get to that, we're going to do a little walk back in time with Tony Arkin as we do our top three tonight based on a scene in the movie when evil lurks is our top three i don't want to go to that school in movie history so uh, <laughs> this is a really good uh, this was a fun one it's a good one because there's a school in this movie that had us both saying i don't want to go to that school well, i was actually thinking about it and going like is there are there really any schools in movies that make it look like you want to go to that school like pretty much the whole point of having a school in a movie is to show you how horrible it is yeah. but... and in real life i hated school so, me too uh, not a fan. yeah all right, so that's good. All right, so Tony, let's take a look back in time as you take us back to the movies. We're going to learn a little something here. Let's go. And now Tony takes us to the movies this week. 1934. Okay, we're we're squarely in 1934. Um, interestingly, uh, all that stuff we had to talk about last week. There's hardly anything. There's hardly anything. I have four titles Isn't that, that funny? Are, would fall into the fantasy, supernatural, paranormal category. Um, and so here they are. Number one for me would be the Black Cat. Um, and uh, it's about a newlywed couple that suffers a car accident while they're on honeymoon in the Hungarian mountains, as you do. Right. You know, most honeymoons take place in the Hungarian mountains. Sure. Um, and they have this accident and they kind of go to this the, the nearest house which is this mansion built by uh boris karloff who, who plays a satanic priest whoa and ex-military commander who oh my god killed millions of soldiers on the on the grounds where the house is built so they have a spooky night there it's lugosi and karloff together uh for the first time out of eight times they worked together eight different times um it was universal's biggest hit that year Wow. And it had a big influence on psychological horror. It's a great movie. It's a really, really, really fun uh, film. I can recommend it highly. The Black Cat. Right. Um, okay. 
1934 is interesting because it's also uh, the year that the Hayes Code got really instituted. Um, the Hayes Code is like that self-governing, um, self-censoring unit of the studios that would make it impossible to see um, anybody with their shirt off or a married couple in bed together or even a toilet that was actually not allowed um, to see in a movie. What not is your policy you on uh, uh, puking scenes? Because I'd like to reenact the, the uh, Hayes Code, please, for movies. I don't and know women, they, women giving birth for like really long, yeah, long, long, long. Drawn out I don't scenes. think even those things had been brought up. I don't think they'd thought of filming those things. <laughs> okay, yet. All, right, all right. Um. So anyway, <laughs> Boo, the Hayes Code drops in 1934, mm-hmm. and um, and things get a little bit weirder or less weird after that. Also, 1934, we have the great uh, Death Takes a Holiday, based on a famous play. Um, in which uh, Frederick March plays the Grim Reaper who takes three days off and nobody <laughs> dies and he gets to hang out on Earth and he learns what love is. Oh, um, what a great idea for a movie. And then uh, last but not least certainly would be Babes in Toyland, with the great Stan and Ollie uh, who live in a shoe in this. So it's oh, kind of wow. like they're doing the old Mother Hubbard thing and somebody's trying to evict them from their shoe so they've got to get the money from the local guy and shenanigans uh, pers- uh, happen after that. Uh, last thing would be Fritz Lang's movie Lillian, which I'd never heard before. He said it's his favorite movie he ever made. Um, and it's about a Carney Barker who uh, turns to a life of crime to help raise his child and then he gets put in the pokey and dies there as a has a death's experience when he goes to purgatory, but he gets to come back and spend one more day and make things right. Oh, that's awesome. Now, quick question. Do you think that the lack of paranormal movies in 1934 was at all in reaction to all the plethora of paranormal movies in 1933 and maybe a lack of success of some of them? And the studio's kind of like, all right, enough ghost stuff. That's a good question for somebody that knows the answer to that. <laughs> Would you like to weigh in? <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, I, I, I kind of knew when the Hayes Code hit. I don't know if that had anything to do with um, people getting freaked out by too much paranormal stuff, because I'm sure there was, you know, influence from the church about showing magic or things like that in movies because they didn't really want kids to see that stuff. Mm. But I, I don't really know. I mean, I think a lot of those films were really popular, um, and I'm not sure. Maybe everybody was busy, you know, making all the all of them for next year. Maybe 1935, we'll, we'll see a resurgence. I mean, they keep making them, but I just don't know why this year in particular was like not too many. Can't wait to find out, and we will find out next week. By the way, very special episode next week, which we will talk about at the end of this one. We have a wonderful uh, uh, guest joining us, and if you're a regular listener, you'll know when we say it. Great job, Tony. But did the makers of When Evil Lurks do a great job? We're going to talk about that next. No tiene que ser alguien que sepa hacerlo. Cállate, hija de puta. Esto me acabo de quemado el rancho cuando vinieron a instalarse acá. Lacas. Vinieron a contaminarlo todo. A contaminarlo todo, hijo de puta. Hijo de puta. Acá ruido. In a remote village, two brothers find a demon-infected man just about to give birth to evil itself. They decide to get rid of the body, only to end up spreading chaos. 
This is When Evil Lurks. Tony, uh, this film, as I said, was a recommendation. Um, and we're going to dive right into it. I can tell you that in the run of us doing this podcast, I have had maybe a half dozen really strong reactions to films. Um, and this is one of them. It's perhaps right up there among the top as far as my needle, my emotional needle. Um, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad, and sometimes it's in between. So uh, this is going to be a fun one to talk about. Did you know anything about this film? Had you heard of it? I, I, I'd know. I'd seen it was on my list of things to see, and I'd seen the director's pri prior film, but I, I didn't know anything about this. So it takes place. It's an Argentinian film. Um, and I actually have spent time in Argentina. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see that and to see, I've never, I don't think to my knowledge, have I seen an Argentinian film like this? Um, and it seems to definitely take place in kind of rural Argentina where I, where I spent most of my time. I did spend some time in Buenos Aires, but you don't really see the city. You do see a suburb at one point, which becomes a key uh, factor in the film. But right. mostly it's very rural. It's uh, kind of uh, in the middle of nowhere, um, but all really visually stunning for the first half of the film. Like that first 15 minutes was beautiful. Um, the opening scene I was in love with, uh, just the way it started so naturally. It's just two guys looking out a window and hearing gunshots. Very lived in. Like we always talk about, Tony, that like, do I believe this is a house? Do I believe these guys are brothers? Do I believe they live there together? 100%. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with, with you on most of that. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it had all of the things that I was missing from Dracula boat. You know, yeah. we really yeah, talked yeah. about a lot of those things last week and I, yeah. I definitely, I was a little spicy. I apologize for being maybe a little bit overly amped up about it. Um, apologies. It was a tough week. You were worried about my basement flooding. Like me. I was, I had concerns. Um, but this really does, you know, kind of do the opposite. I, I think it's really concerned with, um, you know, uh, uh, emotional reality, the, the, how these people might really actually be and feel under these circumstances, which are really heightened, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the cast is really excellent here, I think, and well-directed. Um, it's not overly written. And maybe you could argue that might be something I'd hesitate about it only because, and we'll get into it later. That's where my only maybe possible complaint is, but I don't even really know. Um, I think it really succeeds at what it's trying to do um, for sure. The two brothers, after they hear the gunshots, they, you know, one, by the way, everything, the way the older brother character uh, reacts and does in those opening scenes is so great. Um, like a lot of actors, we've joked before, like a lot of actors don't look like they've ever tried a cigarette before. <laughs> yeah. This guy's like reloading his gun, <laughs> delivering dialogue. Like this guy's a smoker <laughs> and he yeah. looks awesome and he sounds awesome. And uh, you really believe everybody's works on these farms that you see yes. it's a rural community and you just yes. believe it it has a real authenticity to the costuming to the way they yes. inhabit it that the way they get on and off of tractors the way they deal with stuff it just feels mm -hmm. very um true so they go out to the woods after hearing these um gunshots and they investigate 
And they find a body and some mysterious gear, which I thought was really cool because you know something um, supernatural is going on in a sense. Like, you know it as the audience, you suspect it. You haven't seen any what it is, but you just know uh, that something is amiss. And they're trying to figure out a natural explanation for it. Was it a puma? Was it this? Was it that? But you get the sense that maybe they know too, like this ain't no Puma. This thing is like cut clean and all that. Um, and then they they find this gear, which I kind of loved. Somebody had a bag and they left their gear behind. Whatever this mysterious gear is kind of metal gear. And you're going like, what is going on? Yeah, um, like some weird old sundial kind of machine. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm digging this. I'm totally invested. Like, where are they going to go with this? And then they end up um, tracing... Uh, an address based on the things they find. They get a name that this dead body, this cadaver they've found, uh, this person was heading somewhere to go to a house. So they know this person, obviously, again, rural community, and they approach the house. And that's when things start to really get crazy. Um, they find the possessed guy that I mentioned that's in the uh, kind of log line description of the movie. And I immediately was just... Uh, you know, it's hard to shock's a strong word, maybe, but like surprise a modern audience. I was completely surprised and thrilled by this portrayal of an infected person, a demon. I believe they call them what do they call them? Um, there's a name rotten. They they call the Spanish translation is they are they are the rotten, right? Which I thought was so cool. So it's that's basically good. A, think of like the movie Seven. Um, I have the same thought. It's in my right? yeah, right. It, it has the same feel of of the victims in that movie. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So you've got this possessed person, this rotten person who is possessed by some sort of demon, but that manifests in this movie, not like exorcist where the bed is rocking and the person is screaming. The person is just an obese, uh, liquid filled, pus filled, <laughs> like beast. just laying in a yeah, bed, rotting away. Like they have the plague times yes. 10. It's really, yes. it's really rough. It's unbelievable. And then, you know, they, they're trying to deal with this. And this is when, like, so now we're about like, and, and I'm going somewhere by kind of dragging it out like this, because I got to tell you, um, everything this movie did, like in the first 45 minutes to an hour, like I was in love with to the point where I had to take a break halfway through the movie, just about like after they leave the suburban town, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Uh, and I had to pause the movie and I wrote down. If this keeps up, this will be my favorite movie we've ever covered. Non-classic division. And what I meant by that is like shining birds, you know, the, the big ones that I love so much that you love so much. I'm like, you know, for a new paranormal film, this could be my favorite we've ever done. And I was so excited and I'm going to, uh, <laughs> well, let's just hold that thought for now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, one of the things I love Tony, and I, I started to notice like, because when they come upon the demon, there's no discussion of like, what is this thing? What the hell's gone on? What's wrong with your brother? What's wrong with your son? They know what this is. And the family knows very much what this is. It's a possession. It's the rotten. They even go to the local authorities. They know what it is. They've reported it. They're like, yeah, I, we know. We know. We're trying to deal with the rotten. And I and I love that. I, I love that they all knew the legend. 
right away that there's kind of a local legend that they all bought into, you know, the, the, the mythos was there. We didn't have to have it drawn out that people are trying to understand what this is like. No, everyone's on board. We've got a rotten one here. And I just, I kind of love that. It was kind of different. Yeah, me too. I thought that was really smart. I, I love getting dropped into the action. And it's, well said. you know, it can often be really effective writing or, or effective way to do something to keep the audience on their toes because you really kind of have to lean in and pay attention when you're dropped in, you know, after it's already kicked off and you're having to figure out the rules as you go. And then you get to watch the characters and the actors in process rather than thinking about what to do. They're kind of motivated right away. Uh, th- I mean, this movie takes a lot from, uh, you know, that movie, um, you ever see like go or run Lola run? I saw that. I didn't okay. see go. I saw that. They're Lola similar Lola. in a yeah. way. And they're like, mm-hmm. there's these, these, cause this, this film takes place in a short span of time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like a 24 hour period. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, it really kind of could be almost any genre could be a heist movie. It could be, you yeah. know, a getaway yep. film where the characters have only 12 hours to solve this unbelievable problem. And you really follow them throughout every mistake they make and every setback. And it's all under the clock. It's all like time yes. is of the essence. Yes. And so it really capitalized on making that kind of movie. And you really have no time to set things up when you're making a lean, mean, like it's a chase movie. Essentially. They're just ah, trying to yeah. run as fast as they can to put this fire out. And, um, for me, the only, the only thing that got a little problematic was I felt they, they, they had a, they had a universe that they're kind of creating in a way, because there was this Mm -hmm. backstory of this device you say that they found. And, and there's a, maybe a team of, of undercover people that have been fighting this evil and know how to do it. And they, part of the plot is these two brothers find one of the, um, I don't know what you'd call them, like a Van Helsing kind of character who, you know, she has the power or understanding or the wisdom to fight this thing. And yeah, it gets kind of plot heavy in a way that I felt was hard for me to be on that roller coaster ride. So I was on this roller coaster ride. And then in the middle of it, things, I was like, I'm a little bit too far in the deep end here. Cause I, I now I'm getting dropped into stuff that I just uh, didn't, I got confused by um, a yes. little bit. And yes. that's really kind of a slight complaint. I actually admire movies that that trust me enough as an audience member to keep up with them and to use my own imagination and to really engage with it. So I just think that they risked a lot by putting a mythological like uh, world building plot in the middle of this. It maybe didn't need it, um, but I kind of respected that they tried because it's, mm-hmm. it's like they're really going to go... Um, work extra hard to put it in. So uh, it's, it was a mix that way for me, but I respected that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The, on the one hand, it was um, not overwritten. Like I said, everyone was on board, but then they added, they started to add pieces to it. Um, it's kind of like we had it. It was streamlined. It mm-hmm. was understandable. Everyone was in. And then we started kind of adding things and it felt like they almost had to kind of try to, unwrite themselves out of a corner they had painted themselves into yeah maybe how are we yeah. going exp- to explain these metal objects now um but back back in that first half uh something else i want to talk about was this movie did something incredible in that in that first half as this chase as you say 
was going on and we're dealing with the rotten and what are these two brothers going to do? How are they going to handle that? Um, and the horror of that demon, that rotten, it, it also has an incredible sense of humor and whimsy at the same time. Um, both between the brothers, real subtle little touches of their kind of like, oh, they don't like the neighbor. But even between them, <laughs> when they're trying to move the demon, it's flat out funny and horrifying at the same time. They're showing you, yeah. you know, leakage, if you know what I'm saying. And it's, it's like, it's really so funny. over the top. I have in my notes that it's like, <laughs> it goes perfectly too far. It goes way too well far. Well said. Yes. And it go- it's the kind of gag where you're like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then it's not, and then it's really, really disgusting, kind of longer than you actually want. Yes. And then it goes too far again. And then it's, it's broke. <laughs> then, then you're, you're kind gone. of like, it's almost funny. I guess you kind of hit on something for me. I, I, I did feel like there was almost a little bit of a Coen brothers movie in here through that section for the first 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Call the the kind of black humor in no country and um you know there was another one i thought of uh, even lebowski like there's something just yes. really eccentric about these characters yes. and funny well, yes. about how extreme things get and how bad the scenario is for these guys it's so bad so fast that it's actually kind of funny you're like oh my god yes. how are these two bumbling guys gonna fix this problem and then but it doesn't trade it in for being really scary. And then something happens and it's like, they just kind of drop that humor, that black comedy. And it's came kind of just nihilistically dark for its own on its own trip. And I didn't like that part of it as much as the first half. Yes. Because I'm about to unleash like the rotten themselves. So I want to say one more nice thing about it before I, because you've hit on, you've hit on, what happened and i and i i want to try to identify when it happened you've asked me before of movies like when do you think it went wrong or when do you think this really movie kicked in the gear and i I think i have an idea um but one more really amazing thing i thought was when they meet they meet this guy armando they go to him and when when they find the demon and armando owns the land where the demon is uh rotting and he basically insinuates like oh this is they they planted a demon here. They've unleashed a demon because they wanted my land. It's shot so well. There's an incredible scene that reminded me of the witch, actually, with the goat. Uh, another that great scene. Goat. Yeah. Stunning scene. One of my horror scenes of the year. Uh, uh, although it's only early in 24, but I know it's going to be. He kind of looks off camera and he goes, I knew they wanted my land, but I didn't plan on this. And I was like, man, like that is like tapping into a level of horror in a horror film that is so great. Like, you know, cause when horror really works well, Tony, I mean, I'm telling you, you've taught me when horror works, but f- from my estimation, when it works on me is like when you have the level of what you're watching, but then there's this whole other level where it's just reflecting your life. And like he, you can have a plan in life, right? Uh, look, I know I'm going to die someday, but, and then, and then, when something happens and kind of sucker punches you, you, you end up going like, I didn't expect this. Like I, I planned for the bad. I knew something bad was happening, but I couldn't have expected this, you know, like, yeah. um, and I go, man, that is so well done. The way they executed that whole sequence. I was just like, yeah. I was in love with this movie for 45 minutes, like in love with it. I think there's a lot to love, you know, there really is. It, it, it's not for everybody. I mean, look, I think one of the things you and I both really like about it is that, it's a real horror movie. This isn't, it's not, 
it's not pussyfooting around. Even in the way that talk to talk to me, for instance, is mm-hmm. polished a little bit. Like it's it's kind of a teen com- like there's some comedy in it. It's not it's it's a great movie. It's really scary. But this movie, they're not kidding around. Not even for a second. Uh-uh. It's they come to play and 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 show you something really really horrific, and then they yeah. deliver it. They and, do. Um, there's no the comedy is all human. It's all very earned, and it's not ever the focus of it. So when it slips into darkness, you kind of buy it. It's just yep. a, it's just a move that I don't know. Maybe it's just something about my age now where uh, I can watch some horrendous stuff, but there's something about you gotta have you, for, for me to just enjoy myself. There's gotta be some, some humor, some lightness, some joy, something that I, I, they didn't, they purposefully denied us in this movie and I respect it, but I don't know. Well, like they, I, I would think, I think, they did for half of it. Like again, you know, the, the demon scene is hilarious. Even the goat thing is hilariously horrific in a way. Um, it's a great heartbeat. It's, it's an over the top great heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're just kind of almost going like, Whoa, you know, that kind of uh, feeling of, of like bemused horror, you know, if that is such a thing, that's the but, last um, moment of that in the movie. Yes. Though. Well, yes, yeah. exactly. So then they, they and that's, so I think there's a demarcation line when they leave that town and go to the suburbs. I'm still in love with it because he goes to his ex-wife's house and there is a great fight they have, him it's and his so ex-wife. Good. There's subtext of their relationship. She's screaming at him because he's trying to tell her, like, there's rotten. We got to get out of here. And she's basically saying, you can't just roll in here after what you've done to this family and start screaming about demons. And then you're like, oh, he was the demon in that family, mm-hmm. right? Is they allured to his uh, yeah. junk past? And I'm like, there's so much subtext going on. Which well, is really, so he well is done. anyway because he they screw it up. He screws this thing up, right? So right. it is his fault, right? Yes. And there's this unbelievable touch about the son having uh, autism, and they have this beautiful communication where um, he understands exactly what the son's going to do all the time. Jarir, I think the son's name is, um, and he keeps going like, no, Jareer won't respond to that. We have to do this. And he's going to do this until we get him this. And it's just kind of cool. Like, I love that show me. Don't tell me thing. You me know, too. me too. I, she was his great. She was oh. both funny and real and, and, you know, appropriately in the movie, in, in the movie, but she was fantastic. It was like, all of a sudden it was like a, a Pedro Almodovar movie yes. about relationships. They're screaming yeah. at each other. And it's, it's like, and the movie Kramer versus it was Kramer versus Kramer with a demon coming to get, you. you know, I was like really impressed that this director who also wrote it, his name is uh, Damien Rugna Runa. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but you know, that's a real special talent to be able to, you know, reference a lot of these movies and keep, keep a few tones up in the air at the same time. Yes. And make it believable and have yes. actors delivering performances. I mean, that if you want to know what directors do, it's like they really make sure that these performances all feel like real, one piece, you know, and in the world that you're trying to make the movie of. And I thought they did a, he did a great job with that. In a way, that was the real like high wire act that he got away with. And then he, the, it felt like they kind of got onto safer ground almost when they hit that point because there was no more. You know, that was so pleasing to have this hysterical zombie apocalypse happening. Yes. And the woman's, you know, this his his poor ex-wife's main focus is on what a jerk he is. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. then you start to go, oh, my God, he is a jerk. 
oh, maybe he's a really bad dad. Oh, he is. And then I, I thought even more interesting was the fact that for a minute in there, you start going, oh, is he really schizophrenic maybe? And mm -hmm. and is mm -hmm. not making all of this up in his mind. It's exactly right. You start to wonder what you have just seen mm -hmm. and who is really the monster here that's, yeah. that's you know, ru ruining yeah. the situation. So if, they, and if they are talking about his, you know, um, his being a terrible father ultimately, yeah. which he kind of you feel like he's trying to make up for having been a bad dad and a deadbeat dad by getting going there and getting his kid yes and as a metaphor for all of that i love how they worked it in without preaching about it or having him have a monologue about it they don't it's subtextual yes. and it's i really awesome. i admired that about it too you know at this point it's maintaining its tongue-in-cheek kind of amidst this horror, this kind of whimsy, like him getting naked. And there's just all kinds of little funny touches yeah. that aren't overtly funny, but they're just so character specific that they work and it's right. unique. And I'm still so on board. And that's why even, I thought of no country for old men. Because yes. it was because it was horrific, but you're still, you're also sugar makes is, is terrifying it's and horrifying equally. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. And almost the worse it gets, you kind of laughing. Cause it's, it, 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 you know, it's almost too much. So you have a, a reaction of laughter because you can't take it. It's can't it's, take the tension and the, yeah. And like, you know, if you can show me an incredibly well done monsters coming to get you movie. And while that's happening, um, an incredible family drama going on where you're yeah. not even sure what they're fighting about, you know, and why would she believe him by the way, based on what he's done to this family and his past yeah. and all that stuff. Um, it's just so well done. And the acting was heightened and great. And there's even a, a shock kill that happens. Well, I was going to bring that up, you know, yeah. that it's in that, it's in that same sequence where, where it's the last, in a way, it's the last subtle thing that happens. Yes. I could argue, you know, yes. there's a subtlety to it. Yeah. Oddly enough. It's shocking, but, uh, until not, yes. this moment. Yes. And they, they, um, there, there, are, there's a, there's an animal attack mm -hmm. that is one of the most, scary one of the most messed up things i've seen in a couple it, years it, it really it literally is, shocked me it i is could not believe absolutely it. shocking and and kind of too real it's not bloody graphic it kind of no. happens almost in the background which makes it even more yes horrible yes and it's um it involves a, ki a little kid and it it it's uh you know everything is done it's so effective that they pull everything off so well that there, I kind of, there was a full, a bit of a full stop for me where I went, oh my God, okay, this is, you've gone <laughs> now past where I even was yeah. comfortable before. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I ever felt okay after that. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not prudish and I, I, I think you're within your rights. I mean, this is a weird because we can, com I complained about Dracula boat killing that cute kid in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was egregious. And here they kill like 19 children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that, that didn't bother me morally, but I mean, it was really just like, oh my God, how much more of this are we going to have to watch? Um, right. It was weird. They had two weeks in a row of it, but the, the, this one makes the Dracula one look like a Disney ride. It looks oh my like God. It's just Pirates horrific. of the Caribbean. Yeah. This is like a whole nother level. And I accepted it and kind of reveled in it because it's like you've done everything that like what you got mad at Dracula boat for, which by the way, I think you were correct uh, in this point that they hadn't earned that mm. level of trauma. Yeah. This movie had, and I that think so. Scenes a great example. It was again, I hate to say it, 
but hereditary is my modern bar right now. And, you know, in the hereditary kitchen table scene, when Tony Collette loses it on the sun, it's like, I'm scared of the demon stuff going on, but the real horror is that it's I'm more scared of Tony Collette's acting well, at that point. Like, yeah, just terror, exactly. you know, yeah. And, and it's what's, what's really ripping your heart out is the family being yeah. killed, the family being torn apart. And that yeah. was the same with this scene. I go, so you know what? You earned that shock kill. Right. Because uh, this is unbelievable. Right. And you know what? And by the way, if he was right, if that dad was right and not crazy, as you said, so intelligently, we're starting to debate ourselves maybe as the viewer. Yeah. He need something needed to happen to make us realize like, oh no, no, this is real. And boy, what a way to what it's a way also to attached to the other very strange part of it is that um he's the he's not the little girl's father. He's the father of two of the other kids. That's so that's, and he has no reaction to that little girl dying yes, or yes. getting mauled. He has it doesn't phase him. And that that kind of makes you suddenly see this character in a completely completely new light and frame of mind you realize oh this movie's really about him is has he been the rotten is he he's kind of almost the rotten at that point it was a cold cold thing that happens i mean it was shocking to me yes yes i mean if the if the mythos of the rotten is that there's an evil force that comes into a situation and infects everything that metaphor is true for him yeah he, you know, he was that for that family. Yeah. And since that's not his kid, all he cares about is protecting his own at that point. And I'm going to make up for being a bad dad at any cost. Right. Just you to know. this kid, though. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, that's, and, that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, uh, I, there's okay. also a great twist with that death because uh, it's not over. Mm -mm. Uh, and, and that character uh, you'll see again. So that, and I thought that was really creepy and well done. So I'm still, yeah. I'm still with it. I'm still thinking this is the best movie we've ever done. Uh, you know, postmodern <laughs> P4P movie. Um, there's a great scene after that, when they flee the town, he has a conversation on the phone with the ex-wife, which I thought was really creepy and real well done. Wasn't overdone. They didn't use a demon voice. It was her voice. I'm just so on board the, and so yeah. in love with this movie. I mean, if only that they just avoided half of the, tr even just the visual tropes and gags we see in these demon or slash demon zombie movies, it 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 gets my love, you know. Yes, yes. Now that being said, I mean, love's a strong word. I I guess I respect it more than love it. It's not a it, you know. It's um, and maybe it is this thing we'll get into now where. I think the, the nihilism takes over the film at a certain point, but in its defense, it's, it's, that's what it, the movie's about. And mm. I think actually talking to you helped kind of frame that for me a little bit, because, mm. you know, if, if, if their motivation was to really make this movie about this guy who himself really is the rotten, right? He is the rotten. Then of course he's going to fail. Of course, he's all of his plans won't work because that's keeping to that narrative, and it has to end this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not going to be funny at the right. end. There won't then all the humor will go away. All the love goes out because it's you know he's paying for some real sins at this point, and um, so maybe that what's that's what makes the movie less pleasurable, but even a better movie. I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's interesting. That's thought. a great defense of what i ended up now i can say it because i've teased it long enough 
ended up hating the second half of this movie. Oh wow! Um, yeah, oh, I didn't. I didn't go that far with it. Yeah, I never yeah, hated it, it. I hate maybe is a strong word. I ended up being really disappointed in how this thing all fell apart in my estimation. And the line in the sand is when the brother Jimmy brings Pedro. Uh, Pedro's the lead that we keep talking about who might be the rotten. Jimmy is the little brother. And Jimmy brings Pedro to a woman's house who, you know, I guess was one of these demon hunters. It's revealed. Spoiler alert. But I just felt like that once they got involved with her, this movie started losing its charm. It lost uh, all the things that I credited it with in the beginning, like the simple narrative. It became like... What made it so special at the beginning for me was, as I said, that simplicity, like the cultural acceptance of a phenomenon. And it just became this muddy, complicated, this is how we kill it movie, like everything else, where I was kind of going like, what's happening now? Who's yeah. that? And what happened? Yeah. And what do we care about? How we kill it? And what? It, and I can't see anything again. It got mm. dark. It just, and but your defense of it, it uh, makes, tones me down a little bit because if that was the director's intent, uh, to make kind of almost two separate movies and the second half is going to be really dark and just awful mm-hmm. then. Okay. Maybe. But even then I think he dropped a lot of balls in that second half. Don't. Hey, it's a family show. Careful. What I, um, <laughs> what I end up thinking is like, uh, I guess, you know, it feels like in the middle of this great fresh idea and this fresh approach, Someone handed him, he got panicked and someone handed him like save the cat or some book about screenwriting where they were like, well, you got a universe build. And I'm like, I want everybody to stop thinking they have to universe build whenever they make any movie. It's like, you don't, you don't have to universe build. Part of the beauty of it was, was that he created a world where it was so simple. We could go on this 12 hour chase hair you know knuckle mm-hmm. white knuckle chase mm-hmm. and not have to worry about too many big ideas i i don't need van helsing in this movie i don't need a i don't need the cabal of vampire hunters to i don't need to because we don't really learn about them anyway it's it's they only give you a tiny bit of info and because of that move it starts getting confusing there's a whole section of the movie that takes place in a defunct school that's what we'll talk about. And I didn't never knew really why we were there. And I didn't know who the kids were. And I didn't know why they'd buried things under the stage. And I started not knowing anything in, in not the way that I like. I've said this before. I like being mystified, but not confused. And I just felt yes. a little confused. And within the last, I don't know, 20 pages of the screenplay, we're also introduced the fact that the brother may have had an affair with that ex-wife that we met earlier and also may have been sleeping with the woman who's the demon hunter. Yeah. And I'm like, why are we getting these things right. now? All the beauty of that streamlined thing. Yes. Gone. Yes. I pictured a screenplay with a bunch of post-it notes going down the side, like and arrows and like, well, if there's a, and then they can kill it by this. Cause yeah. and then the children are related. I was like, well, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? It seems like some executive producer, like got the script and was like, Oh, I love it. We just got to beef up the, you know, got to beef up the the universe building and the and the some family you know some drama with the characters you know relationships more that stuff I'm like yes that's not why people are going to go to this movie <laughs> right not, it, and and so know. i think that's why i use the word hate because if i watch the second half of this movie 
it would have been just another like B movie about a demon with all this complicated mythology that I'm like, I got a little confused, but it was fun. It was a good one. The guy came out of the floor. It was fun. It would be like that level. But because I thought the first half of this movie was one of the most exhilarating, ex- in unbelievably well executed films I've seen since we've been doing this. And I mean that I put that first 45 minutes up against anything and had shocks that literally shocked me, which is hard to do. I laughed. I loved all the characters. I loved how they represented the demon. Like I was on board with this being my favorite movie we've ever done. And so to have that level of a ball drop, a fumble in the second half, right. it, it really disappointed me. And that's why I said at the beginning of this, I've got strong feelings about this movie. I loved it and I got mad at it. it Interesting. It, it, yeah. I said to you before, I use the analogy of a fumble, a football fumble. And uh, this is the ultimate fumble. They is were that at the, the pointy ball? Yes, that's the round one. Yeah, it was the ultimate ball drop. They were at the end zone and they dropped the football. But is there enough in it that's great that I would still recommend it and put it on the list? That's going to be the question here. I would recommend that. Th- I guess this is a movie I would recommend, but only to a very specific group of friends, not to uh, everybody, not even to every horror fan in a way. Um, you know, it reminded me, I don't know if you know, like what French extreme movies were like in the, in the, in the early aughts, there was like a whole, you know, resurgence of French horror movies that were coming out that were, you know, everybody was like, oh, they're the most bloody, the horror, most horrific movies ever made. And right. they were pretty rough. A movie called Martyrs, I don't know if you ever saw, is, is kind Mm-mm. of world famous for potentially being the most messed up movie ever made. <laughs> and it certainly should be in the running. I mean, it is pretty messed up. So what, you watch it for breakfast like three days a week? Um Brunch. As you're having your, as I don't you're get having, up that early. As you're having your coffee and like crepes, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm put that in, honey. Got to have an opinion about it. <laughs> um, and it has that a little bit of a touch of that, and 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 the and the and the ethic of those kinds of movies is to push it and push your buttons and go darker and more nihilistic. And so, in a way, I'm a little cautious of of blaming him when I feel like that might have been. You know, this might be the kind of movie he has set out to make. Like I yeah. said, that's just you feel kind of um, warmly towards and then turns into just extremely just an extremely yeah. dark experience yeah. that, um, about, you know, but it seems to be appropriate for the for maybe the story. I don't know. But I agree that the the, the world building stuff got too. it's too much. It's just got it. it you you use the phrase at the beginning of this, you know, review you said uh, it wasn't overly written. And I thought, ooh, because I wanted to bury the lead. I, you know, I, I didn't want to give up my opinion too early. Um, I thought, yeah, exactly, until, until the second half. And then it became wildly overwritten. Yeah. To the point where they end up at a school, as we said, with these children who are like these demon children. And again, there's some effective imagery there. There's some cool scenes of the kids sitting in the classroom. It's or what not are they bad. Doing? It's That's well fine. done. But it just got so muddy and complicated. And and, uh, like, and a little derivative. That's where it started getting yes. a little derivative. Yes. Too. I've it seen was this so before. unique up until that yes. area. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, you're yeah. I, I, I saw John Carpenter's Vampires, and I saw this movie, and I yes. saw that. And I'm like, and we also never really got to see which I bet it would have been okay with had he executed the end well, 
But like uh, those metallic objects we brought at the beginning, we never really get to see how or why or the or the story yeah. behind them or how they were used. It's just kind of like again, like I, I don't, I kind of admire, but I, I that's that difference between maybe just maybe an, if you're going to do it, then maybe I need another five percent info. Well, how about to... instead of introducing two different possible affairs that doesn't go anywhere? Right. Give me a little more on what those things were. Yeah. Um, and then. The, I just want to say one last thing, get it off my chest. The, the, I thought the, again, the difference between the first half and the second half, the fact that he had an autistic son, their relationship, the way he handled it was so subtle, despite his failures to that family, the love he had for that kid, the communication they had worked out between them was so well portrayed, I thought, and not ham-handed. And I thought to myself, because I love this movie so much and I'm so on board with what this director's doing and he's nailing every beat and everything. I can't wait to see how this plays out with this kid. How are his abilities somehow going to be manifest? And there's a line uh, that's kind of interesting later about, well, when the, when these rotten go into someone who has got autism, it's, they don't know what to do. I go, oh, that's an interesting idea. Okay. And then it just kind of like <sighs> nothing happens with that. Um, He's well, I guess, at the end, but he's still possessed. And then he eats the mother or something. I don't. I, well, point is, I mean, I'm a pretty shrewd guy, and I don't know what okay. happened. I, I, you know that that part, I actually kind of got reintrigued. I will admit by that how they concluded it with him and the fact that he seemed to get better or 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 maybe not be autistic anymore. And you wonder, well, whether whether that's who is that? That's not. Right. Autistic creepy idea. Anymore. Creepy idea. And then, you know, selling that gag at the end. It was, uh, that was that that was, was disturbing. I like that. But um it was. It was gross, but I didn't I don't know. I was ready to be as moved by whatever that moment was gonna be as I was by everything that preceded it. And I mm. I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand yeah. what I, was happening. I agree. I think they probably could have just done more to reinforce that that storyline, what that might what that autistic characters um condition might have meant for the plot rather than lean into this this cabal of demon hunters and stuff i think they could have lost it and been fine um so tony uh anything else any anything we left off the table um well what else a great score uh i, I can i can hardly re recommend it to hardcore fans of of horror where you know mm -hmm. it's, it's really graphic it's quite disgusting mm -hmm. horrible kills horrible <laughs> horrible pussy demon creatures it's 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 really disgusting i don't know where it's going to manifest itself it could be the kitchen argument it could be the anal leakage of the demon I don't know, but when we do our 2024 recap in a year, I promise you this movie is going to make an appearance somehow because it, it it really was special for a lot of it. So to that end, I'm going to give it a P for paranormal and put it on the shelf with a suggestion uh, that you watch the first half. And then once they get to the lady's house, just skim through to the end. Uh, I think you'll like it a lot better. Okay. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I could be contrary and not put it on, but I think, I think what it does right, it does really, really right. And um, what it gets wrong, you know, isn't anything that other movies that are lesser movies did wrong that I actually still kind of like. So, right. 
I respect it. I'll put it on this shelf with a caveat. Like it really isn't for everybody. This is not. Yeah, it's for it's hard hitting. Definitely, there are there are moments that a lot of people would not do well with. Um, and and frankly, think there's something wrong with us for for yeah being okay mm-hmm. with. But boy, what it does well, it it was a thrill ride for 45 minutes where I was mm-hmm. just like so impressed and so excited. And I just, yeah, if only they could have called in a little help there for that final act. Uh, okay, Tony, inspired by the school scenes, uh, let's look back in film history at some of the great or not so great moments in schools portrayed on film history uh this is our top three i don't want to go to that school list tony did you have any caveats any um, rules you set up for yourself well no but i just want to you know bring up again that like you could almost pick any school in a movie because they're they never <laughs> they're really never schools you want to go to you know they're not yeah, I mean, yeah even the john yeah. hughes school is like i don't want to go there it's yeah. horrible i know Oh, um, I had such a tough time in school. So I, I tried to, to, yeah, you did. I used to stare at those cinder block walls and just like, it was like prison for me. I just, oh. I, I had a bad time too. I didn't, yeah. I, I really wanted every day to be over immediately. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't stand it. Um, uh, But I, I guess my caveat was I really did try to keep this within the something paranormal or I was surreal. I, you know, to do that. I was able to do that. Yes. In this case, uh, I kept everything paranormal. The, the only rule I set up for myself was really my number one is the classroom scene in Hereditary, but I keep mentioning Hereditary, it seems, in every podcast, so I left it off the list. Okay. Um, also, um, I left It Follows off the list just because I've mentioned that recently, too. So okay. I was like, let's try and think of three different well, ones. That and I arguably, mentioned. you know, I mean, those there's scenes in schools, but they're not really centrally about the school. So I guess I picked stuff that was really centrally about the school itself oh excellent okay yeah i mine were more like scenes that happen in schools perhaps but uh yeah all right great that's interesting i love that that's uh that's great so do you want me to begin or you i want to hear your your first all right my number three is the high school in teen wolf um you had a remember that at all oh yeah you had a, a terrible terrible principal who was a jerk to the family for years uh if I, you know, I played high school basketball, Tony, and uh, if my teammate kept turning into a wolf every two seconds and showboating around the court like a globetrotter, there would have been a problem. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't need my teammates turning into werewolves. I don't need that mythology in my high school. There's must a whole be family, pretty triggering, right? Film for you, yeah, yeah. So I would say that high school seemed pretty like a terrible place. Look, it's an odd choice, but I think it's a good one. And uh, I, I don't even remember that movie. I don't know if I ever saw that. Is that Justin Bateman? Who's in that? No, it's uh, he was in Teen Wolf too. Okay, <laughs> Michael. It's Mike J. Fox. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, there's a great scene with the uh, with the high school coach. He, he says to him, uh, "Look, I had a kid just like you." A couple years back, a kid came to me much the same way you're coming to me now, saying to me pretty much the same thing that you're saying. He wanted to drop off the team. Mother was uh, a widow. He was scrubbing floors. She had uh, had this pin in her hip, so he wanted to drop basketball and get a job. Now these were poor people. These were these were hungry people with real problems. You understand what I'm saying? What happened to the kid? I don't know. He quit. It's a third stringer. I didn't need him. <laughs> I'll I'll uh, I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's all oh, it's. 
horrible. And their uniforms, the basketball uniforms were terrible. I, I used to have to wear like super short shorts because that was style back in the 80s. Oh. It's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole trauma. No way, Thomas. <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thomas. Thomas Magnum. No way, I've, Thomas. I've been going hard on the old Magnums recently, and it's uh, again it's just so glorious. Family show. Let's continue. <laughs> um, my number three uh, is 1998's The Faculty, directed Ooh. by Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. This is his follow-up to uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um Written by Kevin Williamson, who did Scream. Not a franchise I adore, but I actually have a, a real soft spot for this movie for some reason. It's a goofy, mm. kind of a goofy movie. But um, let's put it this way. It's the only Josh Hartnett movie that I will, I've like seen a few times. And then I'm <laughs> like, that's my Josh Hartnett movie. <laughs> it's that good that you were willing to watch yeah. Josh Hartnett. <laughs> and it's kind of a nod to like... um body snatchers you know it's like body snatchers in a high school yeah right it does have body snatchers group of misfit kids or like the rockers and the druggies who who uh who get word or they understand that an alien invasion has happened at their school and all the teachers are now aliens so it's kind of kids against against teachers and it's um it's pretty fun there's some great moments in it famke jansen is really scary in it uh robert patrick like all the people that play the evil teachers are great love robert patrick um and uh it's my uh, it's the only josh hartnett movie that's ever gonna be on the show so on any of your lists ever ever well you never know he, he's, he's still around i know <laughs> uh my number two is a movie i almost forgot about but i was thinking like what something was in my mind about a me watching a film and being horrified at a high school and I could not think of it. And it finally clicked in right. We're about to go to air here, Tony. It's a movie called I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, wow. See Clements as Charlie Kaufman wrote it. Um, That's great. That's a great call. Yeah. He, he goes back to his high school uh, and I, I, I wouldn't even know how to begin to describe it. It involves a naked janitor, serial killer there's time loops there's like this a is, maggot I, pig i love this movie yeah I love isn't it incredible movie. so incredible. like i yeah. i do not want to go to that school don't. also because they people no. break into dance like i don't know nothing i want nothing of it about it now it's terrifying <laughs> great call great call that's not just a scene too because everything really culminates there at that high school it really whole, seems to be about that yes at the end so the incident that happened there great right. call love it um that movie's we should maybe do that movie i would too. cover that that's yeah I, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, beautiful. Okay, my number two, uh, 1968's If, directed by Lindsay Anderson of Britannia Hospital and This Sporting Life, starring Malcolm McDowell in his film debut. And it's clear oh, to see wow. he, he already established himself, you know, in the UK as kind of the rebellious punk archetypal right. actor uh, years before Kubrick uh, tapped him to play Alex Lafarge. So... It's interesting. It kind of feels like a grandchild of the uh, great Lord of the Flies movie mm. from earlier and also like a precursor to Clarkwick Orange and Tommy and Quadrophenia and and um, even Battle Royale, which um, it's got similar DNA of huh. great movie, kind of an art film, but just really wonderfully surreal and strange. And it's it's about a student at this played by McDowell at this really oppressive British boarding school uh, who starts a revolution and it gets, it's, it's rather surreal and, and like a kind of a fable. So it gets really out there. 
and it's the school is just a systemically horrendous place just a <laughs> an awful you know you know like a classic british boarding school where they're all just humiliated and whipped and demoralized by their teachers and um you know it was called um it's a really cool movie it was called uh uh the uh an insult to the nation by the british ambassador <laughs> and and another like lord bullington or whoever another fancy person called it the script the most evil and perverted script he'd ever read and it must never see the light of day <laughs> this film should be banned yes. in England. at which point i say count me in that's, that's, <laughs> i'm in oh this is gonna piss you off i just tried to uh google if the movie and i'm watching uh ryan, Ren ryan reynolds talk to a giant grimace if 2024 a young girl begins to see her imaginary friends as real life friends yeah it's like it's, it's a hard that. this is a hard world for me to live in now clearly <laughs> yeah. sorry i didn't mean to you know okay. yeah so the original if if dot 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 got it yes um and we are at my number one i had no choice tony this is an obvious one can't believe i'd be shocked if it's not your number one don't know the name of the school, but it's whatever the school is called in Exorcist to the Heretic. Uh, that like where they perform that ghoulish tap dance and 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 the center itself, like the school, whatever the, the school, center the is, psychic school center. Yeah, I don't want to be any of those. Oh, schools. really interesting. I kind of wanted to visit that. I wanted to go nope. to have Louise Fletcher do a <laughs> do a Scientology test on me with that device. <laughs> I would have done that. <laughs> I would have gone and pushed that ball in the background <laughs> while you were taking the test <clears throat> that had no function. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So whatever Good that call. school was, I don't want to go to that, that school and see yeah. that show that they were doing. Linda no, Blair, I understand. All, yeah, no, I uh -uh. feel like it was maybe more of an institute <laughs> than a school, but I, I, I think that's a great call. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to, I would go, I wouldn't want to see you have to do it. I would <laughs> Thank be terrible. You. Thank you. My number one, um, God, for me, that it, it was like the first thing I thought of, and I can't. I it's to me, it's the it's the winner. It's this, it's nineteen seventy seven Suspiria, the original Suspiria, no. mm. directed by Dario Argento, mm. starring Jessica Harper as a young dancer who arrives at a prestigious ballet academy in uh, Germany mm. and discovers that it's a front for a terrifyingly horrible thing. Yep, um, and for. Pure surreal, psychedelic, candy-colored nightmare, violent, like surrealness. Suspiria is kind of hard to beat. What did you think of the remake? I never asked you that. I did not go for that film. Hmm. Did not. Um, you like the OG? I, didn't. I like the OG. Dig yeah. it. I like Dig the OG. It. I think I, would I, I think I would have I would I may have liked it better if they had just made their own. It was different enough for me to be like, can we just yeah. just make your own? Don't right. Just I just yeah. I well oh funny uh, not paranormal related, but I had I had my, <laughs> I had my mind changed. I saw someone sent me a trailer. Uh, excuse me, a poster art for the new. They're remaking. Uh, Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze bouncer movie. Jake and I was like, Jones, I saw it. Yeah. yeah. So I went up one of my little rants, like, can we not, can <laughs> anyone think of an original idea? And I wrote this little thing to him, like uh, a fake part of a script, like scene, young screenwriter. Hey guys, I want to write 
a totally new world about bar culture and then really dive into what's going on in modern society through the bar culture. Is it dying? Is it a totally new thing. And then I have producer. Great. We'll make remake yeah. Roadhouse. Yeah. Let's go. You know we, I mean? Yeah. Great. We already did it. We'll do it again. But then I saw the trailer and I was back in. I was like, I kind of want to see it now. Is it the like trailer Doug, looks? Did Doug Gleiman make this movie? Somebody I think interesting so. yes, made someone this movie. Inter- and Jake, I, I, yeah, I was, I was no totally dummy. like, get, I don't know about that, but I, I well, was totally. <laughs> let's not go crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's he ma- he's made some good choices. He's Donnie Darko, he's a good actor, but he may Zodiac. be a dummy. Actually, <laughs> you're right. Might okay, be. let me. He's a good actor, is what I meant to say, and so. I think this one looks pretty good. And there's an MMA fighter named Conor McGregor. He's an Irishman and he plays the bad guy in this. And I was like, Hey, we might have a new, like he's terrifying in the trailer. No, please. Can we get some actors in some movies? I really, (laughs) I know I agree with you, but he, you know, he he could be a new uh, terrifying heavy in these type of movies. Don't don't, let's get started. Well, see now you're sullying. Now you're sullying people like the late, great Terry Funk. I would who, never do who that. Was a, who was a professional wrestler and played. Bouncers. I have nothing against professional wrestling. That I like. I'm not. A, <laughs> I don't. Let's not. <laughs> I don't have a feeling a lot of our fans are like into MMA anyway. So mm. I'm not that worried about it. Um, right. I won't. Yeah, look, let's face it. He's a, he's a cultural icon. He, the man can do anything. He can. You should see his soliloquies. They're fantastic. <laughs> Check out the trailer, though. You'll be like, ooh, this yeah. is kind of fun. You've uh, never I mean, heard it Hamlet looks... until you've heard it through broken teeth. <laughs> it looks <laughs> preposterous don't get me wrong like, oh sure uh, yeah but it looks actually but it like is doug well- lyman and he's a good yeah, director uh-huh, so I, uh-huh. I, you know that let's was see. when i heard that i was like oh maybe let's this is just a- see uh honorable mentions i have whatever boarding school grady's daughters attended don't want to go to that school <laughs> whatever homeschooling happened at the in the shining yep. mm-hmm. uh i don't want to go to the children of the corn outdoor classrooms that they're having true um wherever the high school musical franchises happened i don't want to go to that school i don't want people breaking out in a song i uh, hated school enough um whatever school is near elm street nightmare on elm street because nancy has that dream remember when freddie is in the yeah. school and uh i don't want to be at that one and then finally my other honorable mention was the sixth sense school you had those hanging pilgrims yeah that's scary uh, no thanks okay don't o- honorable mentions for me would be prom night <laughs> don't want to go to that school that's a that's a dangerous place to be um oh my number one honorable oh, sorry no go go number one honorable mention will be the high school from the the uh horrifically underseen uh three o'clock high starring oh, casey never, Shemaska. never seen it very worth it okay uh, like it's kind of a it's you're smiling a, like this movie's gonna f- me up and you're taking pleasure in that no it's actually oh, right. i think you'll see it and be surprised that that you okay, were denied okay. it all these years it's, okay okay it's kind of um a cult classic uh it's like a john hughes movie for Ooh. the stoners okay like for the for the like the stoner kids it's Dig it's it. not about relationships it's a riff on 12 12 o'clock on 12 o'clock high 12 o'clock high yeah about a nerdy kid who in the beginning of the day at school the the new bully in town is there and they get him an altercation out of a misunderstanding and the bully says three o'clock we're meeting in the parking lot i'm gonna kill you yeah. <laughs> and the whole movie is about him trying to get out of having to fight this guy do you know what I and think it's I've really seen this really movie. to me a kind of a ridiculous cartoonish 80s cult classic that i always kind of dug dude i've seen this movie and i completely forgot about it yeah i've seen this movie 
I totally forget it though. I need like to, I the need principal to, is like yeah. a Nazi Marine with like a Wolverine yeah. on his uh-huh. desk. And uh-huh. yeah. oh my God. Yes. Yes. Great call. Great call. Uh, and we, we, we usually memorialize the award for the ultimate of what we're talking about in the category. Do we have to call this like the Kerry Jim award? Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Like, no one wants to go to that high school. Although if this is the soundtrack that's playing in the halls, I'm in. Enroll me today. All right. So listen, next week, a very special episode. We have Puppy Bowl ref himself, Dan Shackner, coming back on the show. We are going to do an animal-themed horror paranormal movie maybe is it paranormal that's going to be part of what we discuss we're going to do the classic cujo with my girlfriend d wallace so all you cujo fans all you stephen king people join us here next week all you puppy bowl fans if you like puppies who doesn't like puppies join us here we're going to get into it with dan shagner who wants to of course plug the incredible puppy bowl that has grown in leaps and bounds tony ready for this one aren't you i can't wait all right Until next time, thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week with Puppy Bowl rep Dan Shackner. Bye, Tony. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Rated P for Paranormal. Please rate, review, and share. It really does make a difference. For more information, to participate, and even donate, go to our main page, anchor.fm slash Rated Paranormal. On social media, we're at Rated Paranormal. All music is by Andrew Goldens Jr. You can find him on Instagram at Kid Riga, or go to therocketscience.bandcamp.com. This podcast was created, written, produced, and edited by Maddie Blake and Anthony Arkin. good question for somebody that knows the answer to that (laughs) (laughs) thank you for the cat costume